Welcome to the Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors and hear about what they're learning, what they're teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Behind the Sermon podcast. We've got Pastor Colin and Pastor Elisa with us today. And uh, guys, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you? Yeah, doing so good. I'm vibing. Awesome. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Um, how are how are weekend services for you guys? Um, from kids, it was it was good. We we had a lot of fun um, working through our memory verse and really trying to nail it into the kids um, of why it's important. Um, and I think a lot of them honestly walked away memorizing it, if not, if they haven't already in the last like couple of weeks. So we've been really trying to drive that home this, this month. So, uh, What is the memory verse? <laughs> Here comes the final test. Um, <laughs> I'm 42, eight um, for the, um, the Lord directs his love. And at night, his song is with me. Um, and it's Psalms 42, 8. And we just, we talked all about what it means to dream and um, just different ideas of different things that we talk through. Um, like how that we can obey God. And this what that's what Sunday was all about, basically, was um, that we can obey God over everyone else. And we covered Pharaoh and Moses and talked through that story. So it was kind of cool. Awesome. Good. That's good. It's going really well in... Um in Plymouth for, for church and just the congregation of people. Um, it's cool. We're in a cool season right now. Um, stepping out of the apprenticeship and just watching kind of what that's done for some of our, our serve team members and, and kind of just growing them in different areas of leadership. And it's just been really cool to see some of them grow and stretch and stuff like that. Um, and then service has been going really well also i've heard some good feedback from previous sermons but it was there was a couple moments yesterday when you were preaching that i'm like oh that person needed to hear that so um yeah i i think things are going really well are you just gonna send them a a youtube link with a (laughs) that's a link to the exact moment (laughs) time stamp share Nope, I won't. I won't do that. But <laughs> all right. Well, it's an yeah. option. YouTube gives us that option. <laughs> um, I would have to agree with that as well. Um, I definitely know that at least this this past sermon today, uh, Sunday sermon, really um really hit home with some. Um, and then I actually had someone come upstairs, and she was like, "Yeah, after listening to the sermon today, I think I." I want to be like a part of like a serve team and like serve up in kids. And I was like, let's go, let's do it. <laughs> so awesome. It was really awesome to get that out of it. <laughs> and that she understood like the concept behind like circles and stuff. Cool. That's great. Um, as we, as we walk through the message and I should pull up my notes. I wasn't thinking about that. As we walk through the message, what was, Something that um, that stood out to you guys. 
Um, I, I really liked the joke slash story that you shared about your friend from college. I thought that was hilarious. Um, but, <laughs> but on the, Jeff. On the serious, what? Poor Jeff. Poor Jeff. Poor Jeff. Oh man. I was re-listening to the sermon just now and that cracks me up every time. Oh yeah. Um, I just, I just checked. We are not friends on Facebook. Oh no. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna send him a friend. I'm gonna send him a friend request right now. Look at that, guys. Done. That was a, a solid learning moment of of the past. So, um, but on on the more serious aspect of things, I really appreciated um, the conversation of just learning what it means to be a good friend and kind of identifying some of the tough things that people are afraid of. Of you know candor, being honest, um, you know, being transparent and how some people don't often see that as being a good friend, but that actually, um, elevates you into being a better friend than, um, you know, than people anticipate. Um, so I, I really appreciated that and just kind of diving into what, um, what it truly means to be a good friend, even if there's hard moments in the friendship, what that looks like. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, I liked how um as you were talking about Proverbs 18:24, you brought up how um like there are friends who destroy each other, um but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Um I think putting that in perspective of like yeah, there are a lot of people who are your friends like if we look at our Facebook um we could have like a thousand something friends, but like how many of those like do you actually interact with? And even amongst that, like how much are you on a deeper level with? Um, and I think that's something that kind of stuck out to me as you were talking through that. Yeah, I, I think you have all of these acquaintances and then you even have, you know, I think friends, um, you people you'd consider friends, yeah. but are they, are they, are those friendships maybe developed enough? Yeah. And I think that's something to, to think through to, to have a, to have a, a few friendships that you're working on deliberately to, to get to a new level, a deeper level. I think, I don't know. I feel, I feel goofy even kind of communicating that, but the, the stat we talked about is, 20% of people in New England reported, I felt lonely most of the day yesterday. Yeah. It leads me to think that, I, you know, I'm sure everybody on that list would say, yeah, I've got friends. But when you're lonely, I think what you're realizing is you have a lot of probably maybe surface level friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can't actually just call them and say, hey, can I stop over right now? Because <laughs> then they'd be like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> but I think when your friend, when your your friendship, I, I think the goal is to get to a place of friendship where you can say, hey, you got 10 minutes, I need help with something. And they're like, yeah. Oh, you know, if they can, obviously, they're not 100% available all the time, but, but it's not weird, right? It's welcome. Yeah, yeah sure, absolutely. Love to help. You guys, you know, have you guys had friendship like that? 
growing up that you've experienced? Uh, I would definitely say so. Um, there's definitely like I I remember growing up. I went over my friend my friend's house like every weekend, um, and then I even saw that shift in him where it went from every weekend to every other week to once a month to like, Hey, I don't really want to hang out with you anymore. (laughs) Um, and so I definitely feel that and see that on, on my end. Um, and just being able to experience that, like you can start to see like those like true friends, um, like come out. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it's also like for me seeing this, it's a huge shift and like, okay, like, I'm like, for instance, like I'm moving this weekend. Like, who am I like asking that I know? Like, yeah, I can ask a lot of people from Plymouth, but like, I don't want them like having a truck so far. Um, Like who down this way? Like, can I be like, oh, hey, like, can I use your truck? Um, And just the relationships with that. Like, I know um, even like with Mike White and I, like we we've gotten so close over the last like couple months that he's like, Oh, Hey, like instead of using my hatchback car, how about we just use my truck and get things done even faster. So like, I think those true friendships like really start to shine out and I, you can definitely mm-hmm. see it in, in your life. So. Yeah, for sure. I, um, growing up, I had a couple friends that were like, we were, we were tight when we were kids. Um, I remember I have this friend, Gabby. We were really, really, really good friends in in high school. And we just did everything together. We did life together. We, I just remember us being like encouraging with each other and stuff like that. Um, and, and we were definitely like true, true friends to each other. Um, but as I got older, there, I, you know, I started coming to the church and making different friendships within the church and stuff like that. Um, and there was a level of true friendship with some of those people that I've never experienced before. And it doesn't take away from the friendships that I had in the past, but it was just like a different level of, I've got your back no matter what. Um, and then people being willing to like speak into situations that were hard, you know, um, to take the hard steps, to do the hard work and stuff like that. So there was like a level of of true friendship that I really experienced the more I started developing friendships within the church of just, you know, I, I didn't actually know if a friend was like that. Like I didn't know there were, there were people out there who were like, they'd be friends with you no matter what, there's nothing you could do that like would make them love you any less. Um, and I was just so thankful to kind of develop those friendships. Um, and honestly that kind of changed so much for me, you know? That's great. What do you, what do you guys think is one of the what makes it so difficult for people to start friendships or have friendships as adults? Oh man. Um I think it's different for a lot of people. So, um having having friends in like the same type of life group, I feel like is so important for some people and there's, you know, I've seen a lot of struggle with um, like people who want to be someplace in life and they're surrounded with other people who are in that type of place in life. So they feel like they can't connect with those people the way that, you know, maybe somebody on their life level would. So, you know, for example, someone who's, who's not married 
being friends with married couples or being friends with with people who have kids you know sometimes that's that's kind of like a a mental block for some people to not really be able to dive into those friendships more um but you know i don't i don't know if if people really search for true friendships either sometimes i think um you know that's that's not some something that people put a ton of value into so everybody wants friends. Nobody wants to be lonely and stuff like that. But I, f- I feel like if somebody's lonely, they're not trying to feed it with a friendship. They're trying to feed it with, you know, a, a significant other, or they're trying to build um, a romantic relationship instead of trying to build solid friendships. Um, and again, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with seeking after a spouse, seeking after um, a partner to share your life with. But um, you know, I, I don't think we value. Uh, friends, how important friendships can truly be enough. Um, I think you had a lot of good things in there that you, that you listed. One, another one that I'd add in there is if you're married, one of the difficult things can be um, like maybe the wives hit it off, but like one husband doesn't like the other one. Or yeah. vice versa, right? The husbands like each other, but then the wives don't get along. So, yeah. you know, if you're, it doesn't keep you from being friends with the, that single spouse, but I think it then limits how much, uh, you know, how deep the friendship can go because, uh, you know, because of that. The other thing is too, like, maybe your kids don't get along. And... Yeah. So That's then gotta what? That's gotta be a hard thing too. Yeah. Uh, Colin, anything that you want to add in there? What makes it so difficult? Um, I think at least speaking from mine and Hannah's like point of view, we are we're both young adults that are like um like I'm 23, she's 22. Like we're not too far in um, really to young adulthood. Um, So being married in that, we're trying to find other um, married couples that we can connect with. We have our own single friends and um, that we have, but we, we find ourselves often in like a weird middle ground of like um, trying to, because at some points in life, like we are in the same as like the young adults. Cause like we're, we're still figuring everything out. But in the other end, we're we're also married and almost married for a year where we are like figuring like figuring out marriage and what that looks like for us. And um and being able to do that with two different groups um sometimes is really great and sometimes it's really hard. Um, but we the the best thing that we can do for that, right, is um just just try it out and just like it's I don't want to say it's kind of like um trying to figure the words out but like you you do have to make sure like you can't just like go and be like all right i'm gonna force myself to be friends with you because then like that friendship won't go any deeper but like it's kind of like trying out like what works and what like what groups of people you hang out with and stuff which is very important Mm -hmm. we're just trying to figure we're like from my point of view like i said we're just trying to figure out what our friendships and deep friendships look like all around the um, uh, it, another difficulty is can be that of convictions. So, 
you know, yeah. everybody's Christian. Everybody gets along, but you live under different convictions. And I think that's something that probably Michelle and I have felt a lot. You know, there's just things that we don't like, don't, we're not around. We don't want to be around. And, um, so then that can make it tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we recently just talked to an old friend of ours that, um, they were feeling just like disconnected basically. And we were like, Hey, like we'd love to, um, kind of get back in like friendship with you. Like you kind of walked away a little bit, but we're, we're cool to, um, just like be there for you and encourage you and, um, just walk together in Christ. And so like now, um, we're restarting that. So we're hanging out some more and, um, we're doing Bible plans on the Bible app a lot more. And it's just like, with that, like it, it's increased that like ability of us to work through our problems. And so one thing that they were feeling is just a straight up disconnection of church and of God. And so we are like, well, how do we get it connected is we walk with her. Right. And so I think that's like a huge thing with friendships and, and just being able to walk with people in that, in that same path to kind of like the same destination, like you were talking about, like with, um, how everyone has different convictions, like everyone looks at things differently and everyone has a different perspective, but how we walk should be the same and how we pursue Jesus should all be the same. So, um, I think that was a, that was a good point on your part as well. And, you know, obviously <laughs> so many challenges to overcome. I think insecurities, one, um, you begin to feel like, I don't think this person wants me around. I don't think this person really likes me. And so you bail out on a friendship that maybe it wasn't true. Just your insecurities get you. So you take off. And I think I had another one. I should have wrote it down. It popped in my mind while I was talking. But yeah. Oh, and, and then, yeah, being in New England. That was the one I was going to say. Our, our, I think our culture here is, uh, is naturally more isolated than other parts of the culture. So, for example, when I, uh, I worked at a church in Texas and we, the staff there went out, uh, groups of the staff there went out to eat lunch every single day. Now, our staff is spread out all over, but even those of us who are working in the same location on the same day, uh, like I don't even eat lunch with anybody. I usually work through my lunch. Um, and you know, so I think that's something that's different. When I was in Tennessee, the entire leadership team, they went out to lunch after church every single Sunday and everybody went out to church Every single Sunday for every church, you go to any restaurant, there's people in suits and ties and there's people, um, you know, groups gathering from a whole bunch of different churches. And we don't do that around here as it's just a different part of the culture. And I think that's another thing that makes it difficult. Yeah, for sure. Uh, something that when we were at Invest Conference, Robert Crosby spoke. So, Former pastor, he's an author. I think we've recommended, I've recommended one of his books here before, but he's also 
the director of Emerge Counseling in, in Ohio. And he, he talked during one of the sessions about he and his wife, the kids had moved out. They had moved areas. They kind of realized that they didn't have really any friends where they were living. And yeah. so what they just began to do is once a week, they were inviting a different couple to go out to eat together. So they're essentially doing a double date every week, but with different people just to try to meet people and see like, Oh, they were cool. We should get dinner with them again. And, and doing that and being deliberate about that. I think that's just a practical thing that I've heard someone say recently. Um, that was pretty good. Well, what, um, you know, there's kind of four practices here. The first one was being constant. And the, the key part of the scripture, a friend loves at all times. Any, any feedback or any coaching you have for us on, on how to grow and being constant? Um, being a friend at all times, being, being consistent in your friendship, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would, I would say when you go into a friendship and you value that friendship and you value that person, um, you should already be creating a standard in your mind that you're going to stand by this person through thick and thin. You know, if, if you're growing in friendship with another, another person, there should be a, a hefty determination factor to to, pers- to pursue past um, any roadblocks or any things that kind of stand in your way. Um, and I think one like practical step is just being open with each other from the start. So if there's ever a tough thing um, that you guys have to talk through, uh, you shouldn't be five years in your friendship with a bunch of things that you should should have said a long time ago. And finally, you're going to be open for the first time. That first conversation is going to be really hard now. But if you're able to establish honesty right in the beginning of a friendship and um, you know, just have that expectation with each other that you can be honest. Um, and if your friend has to be honest with you, how are you handling that? Are you super defensive? Or are you um, taking it and receiving it well? Um, putting things into practice, you know, valuing the things that they're saying and knowing that it's for your benefit. Um, I think that's super important because sometimes people try and cross that bridge in the future, but in reality, they've just been afraid to say something for a really long time. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all of a sudden they're going to try and practice it now. That that makes things really tough because then the other person has never experienced that side of you before. In all of these years of friendship, they've never experienced you try to be honest to that level with them. So maybe they're now thinking that something is wrong or that you're angry with them or that you're looking down on them. Um, but, you know, obviously if, if you've been in a friendship for years at this point and you've never done that, you know, there's, there's still ways that you can do that successfully. But if, if you're going to establish a friendship with somebody, you know, just, Start it off right. Don't be afraid to to try and um, speak life into them, no matter how hard it might be, or um, you know anything of that nature. 
Yeah, yeah. I would also go off that and um, just the idea that loving someone is like showing that, like you said, like that commitment to them um, and just being there when not just when it's hard, but also when it's really great, like making sure you are celebrating those moments and like really, really coming behind the person and like praising them and letting them know like, Hey, we're supporting you. Um, I like to use the phrase like, Oh, we're your biggest cheerleader. Like Hannah and I are always there to cheer people on and um, make just, ha- just, we get to watch people move and what God's calling is and just being able to have those friendships where we know that we're like completely supporting them and they're completely supporting us. It's, um, it's always great to have that, like I said, like that constant, like commitment and, and just not just having the hard conversations, but also having like the joyful ones and really leaning into that. For sure. Um, it makes me think of like, when you're in a marriage with your spouse to keep that relationship going, to keep your marriage strong and to keep things successful, to keep you guys close with each other, to grow together. That's not an easy task, you know, because you're two very different people working at a relationship takes a a lot of hard work. Um, because there's a level of selflessness that has to be had and there's a level of care that you need to receive. So it takes a lot of hard work in a marriage. And I think people underestimate how, how you have to work hard for a true and genu- genuine friendship sometimes too. And sometimes hard work doesn't feel like hard work because if you love your friends so much, you're willing to do hard things. You're willing to kind of push past yourself and your needs to care for your friend when they need it. Um, but I, I think it's kind of underestimated how much, how much you know genuine work needs to be had to maintain a friendship because sometimes your friend isn't always going to be in a great place. And, you know, sometimes you have to push past your needs to be able to be there for them because it's, it's important, you know, it's, it's what we're called to do. Yeah. Agreed. And that, I think that's the, no one wants to get used and no one likes a one-way friendship. But sometimes, you know what, to ha- for, for some friends, really, I think sometimes we just have to suck it up and to be the better friend during some seasons rather than bail out on the friendship. Yeah. I think that's probably a mistake that I've made. Like I can think back, you know, of um, definitely thinking of one friend I have that I just bailed out on him. I just get annoyed. I was just getting so annoyed that the only time I ever heard from him is when I called him or when I went to stop in at the church he was at to say hi to him. He never came and visited my church. And and eventually I'm like, you know, I'm sick of this guy. I'm not going <laughs> to talk to him anymore. But you know what? I, I kind of regret it. Um, but I think we've all done that, right? Have either of you done that? Oh, absolutely. There's definitely friendships that I think back on that. I wish I put more effort into, you know, or it was just easy to lose, lose touch because we kind of parted separate ways. We were moved into different 
places at that time. Our schedules don't really work out to hang out very often. So kind of the friendship just, just dwindled. And it, it was, you know, you look at it as a two-way street. Well, I'm not reaching out to that person very often, but you know, they never reach out to me. So, you know, you, you kind of easily let go at that point. Um, but that's a really crappy thing to do to someone. And I've actually had, you know, some pretty significant regrets with how I've walked away from different friendships in my own life. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what causes us to do that. I think I'm, I don't know. I like, I think of a, another thing. I remember being in Bible college and I, and uh, this couple was getting married. They invited me to their wedding. So as a single guy. I started driving there. It was like three and a half hours away. And then like about halfway through, I realized I don't know where this wedding is. <laughs> <laughs> and so I couldn't get in touch. It was like the days before cell phone. It was like seven people at the college had a cell phone. And so I didn't have a number. I had no one to call. And so I just like turned around and went back to school. And I, you know, I ended up like when they come back from the honeymoon, like, Hey, sorry, I didn't go to your wedding. I started driving there, but, nowhere to go and and i remember him like being a little annoyed but and, and but that was it like i never invited him to my wedding i never talked to him after that and i always think like wait a minute why did they invite me to their wedding they probably considered me a friend and i didn't even pay attention notice care i was just like running running my race Right. And, and, and didn't take the time to, to invest in something because I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know what was being offered. I think we do probably do that sometimes too. Yeah, absolutely. You have to think we're so busy too. You know, our culture is just so busy. We're always, always nonstop that valuing a friendship or taking time for a friendship oftentimes we we purposefully put that on the back burner because there's other things that you know we've we've justified to be as more important um but i'll think of like some of some of my most valued friendships that i have i know i can walk into their house or at you know there there was someone working at the church i could walk right into her office sit down on the chair and she would put things to the side for 2 hours to talk with me about life and, um, you know, I, I never really asked her this, if, if that really put a damper on her workload or a damper on her day, but it didn't seem like it, you know, it seemed like she still was able to get her work done She, you know, sometimes there's, there's times that are appropriate to put our life on hold for a minute to just do life with another person. And I don't think we kind of give ourselves permission to do that. Um, and that can really take away from the value that another person feels. Um, but I know how much that elevated my value as a person and as a friend to those other people. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just think about walking into Anna's house sometimes. She's busy doing pottery, but she's still willing to, you know, to work and chat and, and just do, do life with each other. And I, I just value that so much. But that's hard yeah. for us to kind of do and put lives on hold. Yeah. That's great. Colin, anything you want to add in on, on that? Yeah. Um, I, 
I was actually going to bring up the same person. Um, and just seeing <laughs> like the fact that she would, and from like my perspective of like, I would go and talk to her and then she would even like, next thing you know, Thursday night comes around and she's staying late just to make sure she gets everything done. And just like realizing the amount of times that I did that and the amount of times that she never complained once about having to like stop for one minute. And she always was like just there. And like, that's what, um, that's, that's it. Right. Like that's what we want. And we don't want like, um, the friendships where every time we talk to them, like we feel like we have to walk on eggshells and because that, that will put a damper on the relationship. And I think, um, not me personally using it as an excuse, but I think a lot of people still use COVID as an excuse. Like, well, I was in my house for a very long time. I don't know how to socialize anymore. Um, I just send memes to my friends and just call it a day. Um, and I think people still struggle with just honestly having open dialogue with people because I think COVID really messed us up where um, open dialogue might sound hurtful because they've just always sound like heard it across the phone and like through texting. I think a lot of times that can be misconstrued and, but most, most importantly, I think um, COVID really hit us hard. Um, and I don't think I've ever used it as an excuse for my personal, because I don't think I've ever stopped like since COVID. Um, but I know some people have, and like they were locked in their house, like they couldn't go anywhere. Um, a lot of people with health issues and they would just say like, Oh, like I'm just not good at communicating anymore. Like, like my friends are all online. Like that's where I meet them. And it's just like, it's crazy to think like that's, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. It is easy to make excuses. Really easy. Mm -hmm. I think there's, uh, um, you're up. Okay. Sorry. Um, I think some people undervalue how much God wants this for us too. You know, um, he's placed people in our life for a reason. You know, I, when I talk to people about, um, you know, at, at the end of service, we'll, we'll talk to people about, Hey, if you gave your life to Jesus, talk, to, tell someone about it because you're not meant to do life alone. God never intended us to do life by ourselves. He intended us to have friendships, to have relationships with other people. Um, and you pulled a, a ton of great scripture yesterday within the sermon. Um, but we even have like a, a really solid positive example in the Bible of what a devoted, um, unwavering friendship looks like. Um, and I just think back to like David and Jonathan and what their relationship looked like, you know? Um, so you have David and Saul is trying to kill David, but that's actually the father of his best friend. So that kind of puts <laughs> things into a really complicated situation. But you just read through that scripture and just see how how much Jonathan is devoted to David, devoted to protecting him, devoted to being there for him. Um, and you know, you you look at the end of, of at the end of that, but. Um, I was I was reading in that and it says um, at the end of 1 Samuel 20, 42, it says, Jonathan said to David, go in peace for we've sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord 
is witnessed between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So they, they've even sworn friendship with each other in front of the Lord. Um, so I, you know, we can't put to the side how much God values friendships as well and how in scripture we have a really positive example and probably multiple in there of just devoted, unwavering friendships. Mm. Yeah. I feel like I, I speak about Moses and Aaron and her quite a bit, but I feel like that's another prime example where like they, Mo, um, Aaron and her very well saw Moses and his arms were getting tired and they saw that as this as the staff was lowering that they were losing the battle and and so they figured hey why not just go and hold his arms up and during this and knowing and believing with him that God was going to use Moses in a um miraculous way um i think that's another thing too with friendships especially christian friendships where um you very well see the call of god on each other's life and to know and support them and say, hey, I know you're going to go through a hard time, but I'm going to stand right here and I'm going to hold your arms up as you fight through this hard time. And um, whatever that looks like, whether it's um, going through college, whether it's um, whatever the struggle it is, right, that we're just devoted to the friends um, as well. Oh, man, the value of a friend seeing the will of God over over your life. I value those friends so much. Friends that I have that that see God's hand over my life, that sees his plan for my life, and they're there to support me and be there for me. You know, I, I can only hope and pray that I can be a friend like that for somebody else because that's so, so valuable as well. Yep. Absolutely. Um the, the next thing that we talked through oh sorry I skipped was carefulness so that's like this scripture singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's coat in cold weather uh and that's where the Jeff story came <laughs> in how do you guys practice carefulness carefulness with your spouse who's a friend carefulness with other friends is that something you've ever thought about? Or? Um, carefulness in the aspect of just, um, you know, kind of reading the room with your friend a little bit and knowing knowing what to do at the time, like being mindful of where they're at in life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or let me, you know, anybody ever have anybody do the opposite where they... Um, you were, a, you were going through something hard, and your friend came in singing cheerful songs and paid no attention to what you were feeling. <laughs> yeah, I think people do that as a tactic to cheer you up. It doesn't work. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, if you're in a really rough place, um, you know, I've looking into some of my friendships where where times have been tough. You know, sometimes my tactic is to come in and sit there and listen, bring them a latte, make them cry about it. Cause that's, you know, that speaks to their soul a little bit. Um, but, you know, I try and be mindful of where people are at 
And I, I try and also know when it's time to help them not be sad anymore. You know? So I think not being available whatsoever to hear them out and to be there in their sadness, to even cry with them, that's not a fair thing to do to them. You know, you can't just expect someone to be happy. Um, but if you know your, your friend is about to go into a pit, take the time to be there with them, to validate them and to, hey, you want to go for a ride now and try and get your mind off things a little bit? Um, you know, there's there's ways, tactful ways that you can be there to support them in their in their sadness and in the hard times. But also there are tactful ways for you to encourage them, to bring them out of that place, to help them to kind of keep moving forward and stuff like that. Um, but I, I think people just try to ignore the problem sometimes as a tactic to get them to not be sad anymore. <laughs> ignore right. it. You'll be fine. Uh, another yeah, scripture I that I didn't put in, but that I, you know, almost made it in there. Proverbs twenty-seven fourteen: a loud greeting early in the morning is the same as a curse. And uh, I just like I think it's kind of the same same idea. Like, yeah, hey, I'm trying to sleep here. You don't need to. You don't need to yell at me. Good morning. Um. <laughs> so it's like, what are you doing? There's nothing good about what you just did. But kind of the same thing, like. Um, you, you know, you're going, you're going through a, um, you're in a pit and then they're like, Hey, I, I learned this song from the Brady Bunch when they used to have their own band. And, uh, so let's go. Everybody's smiling. Uh, you, you, you know, and it's like, no, get out of here. You, you know, that's not compassion. Uh, that's not yeah. empathy. And it makes me think that you don't care about me at all. You only care about yourself. Right. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Um, maybe sometimes they just want to grab grab some food and just hang out, right? And like, there's some times where it's great to talk about the pit, but there's other times where they don't even want to think about it. And they just want to honestly just relax and play video games and eat good food. <laughs> Um, yeah, and we just have to know when when it's right and when it's a good time to be like, hey, let's talk about the problem, or um, or hey, let's let's just relax, let's just eat food and just just relax. Um, I just remember recently um hanging out with a friend and we just we just went to Buffalo Wild Wings and just ate probably like 40 40 wings together. It was, it was a great time. Like it was well, well deserved. Um, lemon pepper. If you ever go to Buffalo Wild Wings, lemon pepper wings. So good. Um, but back on track, we, it was nice to get there and, and just talk and, and just be in the moment and not have to worry about the, the elephant in the room. Um, like I said, sometimes the elephant is good to talk about. Other times, it's probably better if you don't. How do you determine that? Um, I think you would have to know the person and understand um, the timing of everything. And knowing that... Um, I, I think one thing that I picked up a lot while living at Karen and Nate's house was that 
Um, sometimes God's going to do something in someone. We can't be the cushion for when they land hard, like for when like God plans for them to, to really take something in. Like we can't be the one that's always like surrounding them with bubble wrap and waiting for them to fall. Um, and knowing that when it does happen to be there to pick them up. Um, I think from this, um, certain circumstance, we just, need to know know the person well and know when when to coddle and when to um open up the packaging and say you know what like you have to realize what's going on and like i said knowing the circumstance knowing the person all plays a factor in how how to have a true friendship and still leave the conversation with yeah let's go and Let's go and play some video games now um, instead of, yeah, let me uh, leave you on red for a couple of weeks. Like if you're doing it successfully, you know that they're not leaving hurt, but feeling supported at the end. Yeah. Uh, in candor, in the in candor, we, I had a quote from Tim Keller and I just like your feedback on that. And I apologize if my questions look too open-ended, but Tim Keller said, um, he described that scripture as friendly wounds and woundful kisses. There are friendly wounds and woundful kisses, um, which was on Proverbs 27, 5-6. And, man, what a way to put it, right? Yeah. There are wounds that, there are wounds that honestly are a blessing, but then there are these kisses from from people that turn out to be enemies, these mm-hmm. these kisses of people who just bring deep hurt to us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything you want to add in on on that idea? I think it's funny when they audibly will say out loud, "Oh, yeah, that makes sense." Um, when you're trying to give them a friendly wound, <laughs> um, not like it's intentional but sometimes um saying things that are truth um are are considered truth bombs um seem to be more effective than just like saying oh yeah we're your friends we're your friends like but i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna fully validate you or i'm not gonna make you feel loved as much as i usually could um and i think I think there is a problem like there's always the walking on eggshells kind of factor where um, you have, like I said, you have to know the person in order to effectively like help them or even just to be surrounded by people that you can trust um, because that's when um, it, it's the perspective thing, right? It's when we see what they're trying to do is helpful instead of hurtful because um, what could come from a, a friend that's, trying to hurt you more or trying to um, twist the knife rather than um, like take out the knife or I'm not a paramedic, but um, just trying to soften the wound a little bit more. Um, Always, like I said, you just have to know the person and and that perspective and how you talk to them is going, is they're on their perspective of how they're going to take it. Mm Mm-hmm. I can think of like an example of a a time a friend sat me down and, you know, expressed 
a friendly wound. Uh, when I first moved to Plymouth, I lived with Chris and Anna. We all all moved here together and I lived with them for a while. Um, and Chris was my location pastor. You know, he was he was leading me in a lot of different areas. Um, and there, you know, there was a point where I was in Plymouth. It was, it was still kind of fresh into moving there. I think I just missed home so much because I, I just missed my family. I missed the ocean, all of the, all of those different things. And um, I wanted to go back for a summer and work down there. And I ended up doing it. It was a very silly life choice. Um, but I, I think my, my selfish desire was to kind of go spend some more time over there and then travel back and continue to live, you know, back in Plymouth. Um, but I tried to kind of justify it rather than admit that it was just kind of my selfish desire to go back. So, uh, Chris ultimately sat down with me and he was like, you know, I remember you saying that you felt God called you here. And I just feel like, I don't know if you're going to stay or if you're going to go, you're kind of in this kind of flip-flopping place right now that, uh, I don't really know what your expectations are, what your plans are, or kind of what to expect from you. Um, and it was, you know, a tough conversation, but because I, I valued his advice so much, he never said anything outside of love. You know, I, I valued that. Did I still go and work at the Seacoast for the summer? Yeah. That didn't make any sense. And I realized that was a weird life choice, (laughs) but that also Mm. helped, you know, to keep me where I was at in Plymouth, you know, I, I kind of learned from that mistake a little bit and I didn't, I didn't end up leaving, you know? So I, I think going into that choice, I always had his words in the back of my head, like, don't run from what God has called you to do, whether it's hard or not, you know, he's, he's placed you here for a reason. So, you know, I could have taken that as, you know, more of a wound than a help, but whether it hurt a little bit or not, I valued that. And that ended up helping me to stay where God wanted me. Right. Yeah. Such such good thoughts here. So listen, the question I asked in the beginning and at the end of the message was, how can we be the friends we need to be so we can have the friends we need to have? Answer that question in light of the church, light of maybe circles or um, or just friendship in church. How can we be the friends we need to be so we can have the friends we need to have? What are your? Give us some advice here. That's so good. In in, in a in a uh, a paragraph or less. <laughs> Man, you're putting me in a box here. Colin, you go first. <laughs> um, I would say just get involved. Um, ultimately, if you want friends that will support you, um, I would join a circle or a serve team where, um, your skills and your abilities to work in that serve team, um, really shine through. I think, um, there's a huge family aspect, um, that can be immersed at the church and, but it, it starts by you taking that first step into circles or, um, being a part of a serve team. I would say, um, 
the classic do unto others as you would want done to yourself. I think you should take that to a point and be loving and be kind to other people because that's what you would want to receive. But don't necessarily love them the way that you would want to be loved. You have to love them the way that they need to be loved. Everybody's individual. And if you want to receive um, a gift and that will make you feel better, don't just assume that's what you should do for for your friends. Know them. Know the ways that they need to be loved. Know the ways that they need to be encouraged and cherished and love them in that aspect. Sometimes it's going to match yours. Sometimes it's not. But it's important to know that and to know them so you know how to be the best possible friend to them. Awesome. The um, final thoughts I would have on this is, uh, again, to be... Don't uh, don't close yourself off from new friends, or even allowing someone to you know to have the opportunity to jump into your friend circle. Yeah, you tend to say you you know us four no more is like the old saying, and not allowing other people to infiltrate that, and not not getting jealous or. Not dealing with the new dynamics and just sacrifice a little bit for that. I'd add that. And then the other thing is that I wrote down that I don't want to forget is um, don't ignore cross-generational friendship. So to, we always want people who are just like us, but some of my best friends are, you know, three decades older than me. Um, yep. And you don't want to miss out on that. Like they're great. So yeah, they don't always have to be your age. And I think that was something we did at, at worship night. We had everybody break up by by a decade, and I said, "Hey, one of the reasons we're doing this is so you'll stop. You won't be able to say there's no one my age here." And every group was pretty much equal in size. Um, yeah. But also, not to not to think I can only be friends. I can only come to this church if there are a dozen other people my same age group here. If they're not, I can't be friends with people who are younger than me. I can't be friends with people who are older than me. And I think you're yeah. missing out on uh, on some deep friendship. Right. The last thing here, and then I got to jump off real quick. I got another appointment about to start. Uh, a couple book recommendations. One is titled "Life Together." It's by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, so uh, he, he's talking about community and friendship in light of of um, Nazi oppression and persecution. And then more recently, uh, Jenny Allen wrote a book, Find Your People. And that book helps me helped me to just like push into having friendship. And being willing to put more into a friendship than maybe the other person's putting in, um, because it doesn't have to be equal. And that doesn't mean maybe that they're not a good friend. We just potentially have different skills. Yeah, things going on in our life right now. A really great book recommendation as well is Boundaries um, by Henry Cloud. Um, Pastor Nate, you actually recommended this before. 
And I, when I read it as an intern, it greatly affected my life. And, um, it's like one of the books I'm like always kind of campaigning, I feel like. Um, and that's always talking about when to say things and when not to, and basically how to have your own boundaries as a, in a friendship. Right on. Good. Always good stuff. All right. Well, listen, appreciate you guys. And uh, Michelle's preaching on Sunday unless something wildly catastrophic happens. So she'll continue the series. We're looking forward to that. And that's that. So thank you. Everybody have a great day. And sign up for a circle. That's the best thing you can do. Sign up for a circle. Bye, guys. Bye.